Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we are looking at what is definitely the last film in the Saw franchise, Saw the Final Chapter, also known as Saw 3D. I think we're breaking up with you, Tina. I'm joined by my Saw correspondent, Jake Johnson. Jake, how you doing? Ryan Stacy, I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Uh, good, good. Um, you know, I'm up away from the riots happening in Minneapolis, so, you know, I'm alive. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a few miles away, but, you know, we're staying safe. That's good. Well, speaking of horrible, horrible things that are happening in the world, let's talk about Saw the Final Chapter. Woohoo! <laughs> let's do it. Uh, so this is the, the first time you've seen the film, correct? Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind what of did you think? the ending, I think just because of, you know, it's been since 2013 or so that this game movie came out so i'm pretty sure i get it got spoiled somewhere along the way the final reveal but yeah for the the most part this is the first time i saw it okay what did you think of the film you know it actually wasn't too bad it wasn't the greatest there was a lot of kind of what and (laughs) then more what it was i don't know it was interesting there was a lot of head scratching a lot of I don't know how to put it. A lot of uh, a lot of suspension of disbelief that we had that I had to go through. But if you're just gonna sit back and watch a movie, it's not the worst in the franchise. Yeah, that's true. I think it's better than four and five. I think it's definitely better than four and five. Oh yeah, it's not great. It's it's entertaining, but yeah, it's not great. It has some major highs though, including the ending. I love the ending. Yeah, the ending's pretty sweet. But the point of this podcast is we're here to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. And we currently have 48 rules on the list. You can check it out at our Twitter account at how the number two horror, how the number two horror. So go ahead, check that out. We're going to go through the plot of this movie, beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules to our list. So spoiler alert for Saw, uh, the final chapter. If you've gotten to this point, if you've watched the first six Saw movies, go ahead and watch this one. It's fine. Yeah, you're not. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you learn, which is good. There's a lot of uh, tying up loose ends and um, kind of puts a neat little bow on things for the most part. Yeah, pretty much ties everything up. Yeah, all the kind of loose ends that we had were, you know. Almost everyone dies and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, in pretty gruesome fashion one way or another. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Jake, you got anything else before we get started? Let's rock and roll. All right, let's get into Saw, the final chapter, which is definitely the last Saw movie, and that's a lie. All right, so the movie begins with, uh, we, we flash back all the way back to the first movie. Dr. Lawrence Gordon, played by Carrie Ellis, is back. We have not seen him since Saw 1, and this picks up with him just after he leaves the original bathroom trap. Uh, he's crawling down a hallway, uh, bleeding out, and he gets to a steam pipe, and he just cauterizes his leg. He puts the wound up against it and, and cauterizes it. Very smart. Very smart. The man's, the man's a doctor. He knows what's he knows what's up. A couple of things here. Uh, rule number seventeen: never give up. The next thing you try might work. Mm-hmm. So he's following that right off off the gate. Another rule: rule forty six: proper wound management. Look, you stupid bastard! You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, just a flesh wound. That's exactly the right move. That is exactly the proper, yeah. That's exactly the right rule for that. Yeah, and that that is just our intro scene, and then we get into the main meat of the movie. We open in, the, for the I swear, the first time in this series, we actually have an exterior shot. We're actually outside. Yeah, it's, it's very jarring. Yeah. Kind of like, whoa, where are we? Wow, this, this movie 
went somewhere. Whoa. We're in the city square. It looks just like a real public square. And in a window of a store, a display window, we meet our, our first two victims of the film. We have Brad and Ryan, the wonderfully named Ryan. Yep, exactly. And these, these guys are they are just a couple of douche bros. And then there's also a woman named Dina here. And basically what's going on is Dina has been seeing both of them, uh, playing both of them, and has gotten both of them to commit crimes to uh, feed her material desires. So they don't really elaborate on what that is, but she basically sucks. Yeah, she's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to be honest, I love this trap. This is a great one. I really enjoy this. This this is one of my favorites in the series. Uh, I this one's fun. I like this one. So the crowd gathers around them as uh, Brad, Ryan, and Dina all wake up, and they're they're uh, Brad and Ryan are tied to either end of uh, a table with this work buzzsaw contraption, and the challenge is uh, they have to decide which one of them's the real alpha and and push the saw blade into the other person, or they can just let Dina get dropped onto the saw blade instead, and they can both live. So two of these people are going to survive. One is going to die. It's up to them. It's up to Brad and Ryan who is going to go. Yep. And one thing that annoys me about this is the crowd is just useless. They are. Like, there's one lady there who starts banging on it with a briefcase or an, an attache. Yep. She hits it with, like, the flat side of it twice, and she's just like, well, uh, I got nothing else. A, use a corner. Yeah, use the corner, or hey, maybe don't use a briefcase. You're telling me none of you have a gun. You know, try ramming the window. Do something. Yeah. These people are just the worst. Yeah, everyone's just like, oh, God, help, help. One of them calls the police. Well, the, the rule number one to surviving horror movies, you have to know that you're in one, and Brad, Ryan, and Dina, they are all in a horror movie. Oh, yeah. So they, uh, Ryan and Brad start pushing the blades back and forth, and whoever is winning, whether it be Brad or Ryan, whoever seems to be winning, Dina starts cheering them on, like, yeah, kill Brad. No, wait, yeah, kill Ryan. I've always loved you more. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> now, the proper move for Dina here is to shut up. <laughs> yeah, at this point, because I don't think they, they both knew that she had been doing that. Yeah. That was revelation for them. Yeah, she, she just needs to be quiet. Don't cheer anybody on. Rule number nine, be careful what you say and how you say it. Mm-hmm. So Ryan ends up injuring Brad. Brad gets cut. And uh, Ryan, basically, he's got the game won. All he's got to do is push the saw forward. But he's he sees through Dina's BS. And he's like, you know what? Hey, Brad, bro, you just want to let her go onto the saw and die instead? And he's like, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Rule number 31, put your ego aside. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was just like, he was like, fuck you. We're, we're done here. I guess we're breaking up. <laughs> I blurted out laughing at that line. I was I thought it was just so funny. That that was hilarious. Uh, I loved this. This was so good. And so they just let her drop onto the saw and, and, and die. Yeah. The whole time, I thought at the very end, like, Brad or, or Ryan, I thought one of them was just going to shove the saw blade at, like, the very end. But I was really happy that they didn't. It was like I was super happy they didn't. Yeah. I do want to add a new rule in, though. Because Ryan, no matter what Ryan decided, he, he could have killed Brad if he wanted to. And what that tells me is Ryan is stronger than Brad. So I want to add a new rule. Rule number 49, exercise. Yeah. Well, however you treat your body, it'll help treat you back. Now, I'm a huge hypocrite by telling everybody here to exercise. Because I'm lazy. Uh, and I don't exercise. But I should. 
you know at least that you should. That's the point. I, I know I should. And, and honestly, if I get into a horror movie situation, that probably will be my downfall. <laughs> going to be running from the killer, and I'll be just going to be completely out of breath, like, no, oh, it's okay, just, just kill me. I'm not going to get away. <laughs> Exercise, you never know if it's just like a contest of strength or, or just a, uh, running away. Being able to, you know, like, yeah, being like having to hoist yourself up, which foreshadow warning, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, might be better to have a little more muscle on you. Yeah. So, so just exercise. Uh, I think that's a good rule of thumb. We flash back to the end of Saw 6 where we see Jigsaw's wife, Jill. Uh, she is watching Hoffman in that reverse bear trap. And she sees that Hoffman survives. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good for Jill since she's very dainty and small compared to Hoffman who's on a murderous vengeance rampage at this moment. He, he's basically the Terminator. Yeah, he kind of is. He's like the T-1000. So, you know, good for her. She does uh, rule number 28, run, bitch, run. Run, bitch, run! Mm-hmm. And she manages to hide until Hoffman leaves. That's great. But I think this is a, a, a clear uh, rule number 29 violation. No half measures. No more half measures, Walter. Honestly, just put a bullet in Hoffman's head and be done with it. Yeah, I don't know. There were so many things she could have done to, uh, you know, help that not happen. But, you know. You know, I know Jigsaw is anti-killing, but she should have killed Hoffman. Yeah, at that point, it's kind of like be your kill or be killed. Yeah. And this is like the core conflict of the movie is Hoffman versus Jill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was a really unique take. Uh, even though Hoffman's not in very much of the movie, he's 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 gone for most of it. Yeah, he's kind of off in the shadows, kind of doing yeah. his own thing. So Hoffman goes back to his hideout and, and patches himself up while Jill goes to the police station. And she goes to see uh, internal affairs detective Matt Gibson. He's kind of a douchey cop, but he seems like he's a good cop. He's he, arrogant he, and stingent with the law. Yes, but he's willing to rat out bad cops. Yeah, which is good. That's a good thing. You know, relevant. Yeah, we need more of those cops. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he's kind of a douche, but uh, yeah, he seems to be a good cop. Um, that, and that's kind of his backstory, which we'll get into later. They, they uh, go into it later. But uh, Jill wants immunity and uh, and protection. And in return, she will give Gibson Jigsaw's accomplice. And Matt's like, okay, that sounds great, but yeah, tell me who it is. And she's like, well, it's Mark Hoffman, uh, a guy you hate. And Gibson's like, oh, yes, yes, I deal. You got it. Yeah, he's like instantly like, just like, huh? What'd you say? Yeah, I'm on board. Yes. So good for Jill using what she has to her advantage. Oh, uh, super smart. Yeah. And then she's also kind of uh, treading cautiously when dealing with the police. Rule 43. Mm-hmm. So Hoffman, he destroys his phone and his IDs, all that stuff. And I would assume, oh, he's going to go on the run or something. Nope. He's going to start another game. Dude, I don't know why he's considering to like carry on with J uh, Jigsaw's work. At this point, it doesn't matter if he carries on his work. He should just be, like, focusing on, well, the jig's up. Huh. Pun intended. The jigsaw's up. The cops are on to him. They, they know that he is Jigsaw's accomplice. Rule number 11, get out. Get out! He needs to get out of town. Rule 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. <laughs> Continuing to do John's work, Jigsaw's work, is a stupid game. It's a terrible game. Go on the run. Go to Brazil or somewhere, somewhere with no extradition laws moron so then we meet a guy named bobby dagan he is a self-help guru and he was a jigsaw survivor he claims he was in a jigsaw trap and survived it and he's wrote a written a book and done a he goes on talk shows and talks about coming to terms with the trauma and all this stuff it's a good message but he's full of shit 
Yeah, yeah, I kind of suspected that right from the moment that we got introduced to that character. I was like, yeah, I could see him being fake and phony, uh, which yeah. turned out to be the truth. But, I mean, it's kind of one of those lying to give a good message, but it's still not a good thing to do. Yeah, because he's profiting heavily off of it. Oh, yes. Yes, he is. Yep. And that was that was his first initial thought about doing this whole bit was the amount of money you could make. And speaking of the rule 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That's the stupidest game you could possibly play. Where there's an active murderer, act, like active serial killer on the loose, and you are saying that you have been in his one of his traps when you both know that he hasn't. That's a great way to get targeted by Jigsaw. Oh, wait, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. What did you expect? Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a silly move. Like, very short-term gain. He made probably a lot of money, but seriously, what a dumbass. Yeah, not smart. We also meet a group of other characters. He's got a wife named Joyce, who seems extremely nice, doesn't know Bobby's lying, and nothing horrible will ever happen to her. No, not at all. Then he's got three cronies. He's got his uh, best friend, Kale, his publicist, Nina, and his lawyer, Suzanne, who all know he's full of shit. They all know he's lying, and they don't really care because they're all profiting off of it. Then we get back to Jill, and she's got this ridiculous nightmare where she gets kidnapped by Hoffman and killed by, like, basically a, 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 a train trap. Yeah, like a piercing arrow train. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. I enjoyed it. It, it, it was over the top. It didn't make any sense. It made zero sense, but whatever. It was a dream. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll chalk it up to dreams. So then we cut to this junkyard uh, in an inside of this garage uh, in the middle of a junkyard. We have a skinhead, a group of skinheads who've been captured, uh, racist skinheads. And the leader of the bunch is a guy named Evan, who's played by the late Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. Correct. Rip Chester. Rip Chester. And so Evan and his, uh, it's his girlfriend and his two buddies, the, the four of them are all racist, and they're in a trap... Evan is inside of a car, and he is glued by his skin to this car. And the car is starting up. He's got like 60 seconds or something like that. There's a lever sticking out of, out of uh, just in front of the, uh, the windshield, sticking out of the engine. If he pulls the lever in time, it'll, it'll shut the trap off and everybody will live. But if he doesn't, the, the car will start through a series of elaborate events, will kill all four of them. The hoists or the suspenders that hold the car up are going to drop on the girl's head. And then the car is going to speed forward, slamming into the guy on said garage door, and then ripping off the arms and jaw of the guy behind him hooked up. Yep. The other three have no part in this. They have no control over it. This is all on Evan because he's the leader of the group, so he just has to tear his skin away to pull this lever. And I don't think this was possible for him to survive. It didn't look like he could get much leverage from yeah. like, his positioning. It looked. I mean, his arms, there was nothing he could, like grab onto to like pull himself and give him a, a decent hoist upward yeah and, and knowing what we know this is all part of hoffman's elaborate plan to kill jill i don't think they were supposed to survive i think this was an unwinnable trap yeah i'm just kind of more curious as to what kind of glue he used because i need to get my hands on some of that glue no you don't want to get that on your hands how are you going to get it off uh... <laughs> evan cannot succeed in this trap and so all four of them get killed gruesomely it's pretty satisfying. It is, uh, yeah. Good good riddance. Rule number four, don't be a menace. Yeah. Don't be racist. It's common sense, right? If they weren't racist, they wouldn't be here. It's very true. It's, it's that simple. Don't be racist, people. One could say that, in the end, it didn't even matter how hard he tried. <laughs> well done, sir. 
Well done. That was great. <laughs> Bobby Dagan goes to a meeting of Sawtrap survivors. Um, and we see a whole bunch of, like, past survivors um, from Soft, like, 5 and 6 and 7. Including our previous Randy Meeks Merit Badge winner, Simone. Still missing her arm. Yeah, I was really surprised that she made her return. Yep. Uh, we got Malik from Saw 5. Uh, Addie, Emily, and Tara from Saw 6. And then Brad and Ryan from the beginning of this movie. They're all there. And there's another woman we've never seen before. Her name is Sydney. And we get a brief flashback. Basically, she was in a trap where she had to kick her abusive boyfriend off of, like, a monkey bar onto a thing of lawnmowers. Yep. Uh, I have no idea how the hell any of that worked. Yeah, how how in the world did you get that many lawnmower motors? And How did they get on the monkey bars? Full of razor blades. Hey, but hey, you know what? She kicked the guy off to his death, so good for her. Yeah, good for her. Abusive boyfriend out of the picture. And that would be rule number... Rule number 35, no one to cut ties. Mm, indeed. <laughs> And hey, rule number uh, rule number four: Don't be menace. Don't be an abusive boyfriend or abusive partner at all. But yeah, this literally doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just here to have more ridiculous traps. Yep. But Sydney's like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me, and Simone's like, no, nah, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> this whole thing sucks. Yeah, she's like, she's like, you know what I get? I get handicap parking at the mall. She's got a point. At the same time, you get handicap parking at the mall. Worth it. Who's scoffing at that? I mean... I'm going to go cut off my arm right now and go get some handicap parking at the mall. Right? Never have to really walk that far. I mean, you got to look at the positives, man. <laughs> Take your victories. So Bobby gives this big, inspiring speech. And then Dr. Gordon appears out of the shadows to give a really long, sarcastic clap. But he's just like, oh, yeah, we're, we're so honored that we're going to be part of your promotional DVD. Thanks. Thanks, Bobby Dagan. Yep. <laughs> Dr. Gordon's barely in this movie, but I love it when he does show up. Oh, he's fantastic. He steals the show in every scene. Yeah. Uh, so Bobby goes out to his car, and his wife, Joyce, is missing, and immediately he gets knocked out with an injection to the back of the neck. Bobby, again, <laughs> there's a serial killer on the loose that you are claiming to be one of his victims. You should assume at every moment you could be jumped. Rule number two, constant vigilance. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I would even say rule number eight, don't leave your shelter. Yeah, don't leave a shelter ever if you've, if you've made any money off of claiming to be a jigsaw victim when you haven't been. Hire a security team. Honestly, you've made, a, you've made a lot of money. Like, don't skimp out on security at this point. It's unreal. So Gibson, Detective Gibson, gets called out to the scene of the junkyard, and they're, they're investigating the site. He, he and his partner, a guy named Rogers, who's generic cop. <laughs> this guy's not a character. He's background fodder. Yeah, but they're looking around, and they find in the bathroom of the garage the, the reverse bear trap that was on Hoffman's head at the end of Saw 6. Yep. They find that and a note on written on a mirror that says, Gibson, see for yourself. So Gibson is being specifically called out. Gibson, you might be in a horror movie. Yeah, which is exactly what you'd want when the jigsaw is out on the loose. Literally every cop that's been part of these investigations is dead. <laughs> yeah, at that point I'd be like, guys... I got some backed up vacay. I'm going to bounce out. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to take an early retirement and whittle on some wood. Uh, rule number three, do your damn job, but don't die in the process. Yeah, honestly. You got to start questioning how much this job is worth. <laughs> For real. How much is that pension worth? Transfer to a different city. Come on. So Bobby wakes up in a cage, and Jigsaw's calling him out for being completely full of shit. Total liar. And he has 60 minutes to beat all of his tests. If he does it, he's able to save his wife. And we see his wife is chained up in another room. 
uh, so he's got to save her. And Joy, let me reiterate, Joyce has done nothing wrong. No, she's been a supportive wife throughout all of it. I mean, she's made a lot of money, but... She didn't know he was lying. She didn't know it was a lie. So, I mean, she's done nothing wrong. Poor Joyce. Joyce deserves better, goddammit. Yeah, she definitely does. So the cage lifts up into the air, and Bobby's got to open it with the, the handle above him, and there's a bunch of spikes below him. So he's got to, like... It feels like a video game, like a platformer. He's got to swing from the cage over the spikes. Can you imagine if he had just fallen and gotten impaled right here? Well, the thing is that were those spikes, was it designed to, like, snap up like a trap? They were just laying on the ground. It looked like he could have just casually dropped down. It did. He wasn't that high up. No, it looked like it looked at most 10, maybe 15 feet, which, I mean, if you kind of gently drop yourself... Maybe that was the idea. Uh, they didn't want this, this trap to be too hard. Because if he fails this, well, there go the rest of the traps. Yeah, and there go all of the lessons that he could have learned. Yeah. And then we get a flashback of uh, Bobby and Kale coming up with their scheme uh, to lie about all of this. So Bobby sees, he was kind of told like to follow the path. That was part of Jigsaw's message. And there's a line on the ground. So basically Bobby just kind of, because they're in a mental hospital, turned out, an abandoned mental hospital. And Bobby's just got to follow this line. And it'll take him where he needs to go. Don't stray from the path yep that's important so gibson runs a, f- a fingerprint analysis on that reverse pair trap and he finds jill's prints on there she's so like oh so you tried to kill hoffman you neglected to inform me of that that's why he's after you yeah she's like well i mean too late now sorry got my immunity already <laughs> smart play on jill's smart play on jill's part oh it's like the last smart thing she's gonna do in this movie though Sadly. Um, they're at a, they, they go to a safe house, um, and he's like, yeah, it's a safe house. She'll be safe here. That's why it's called a safe house. Immediately, they get a DVD in the mail from Hoffman. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Gibson's like, all right, put her in a holding cell. We'll lock it down. No one gets in or out. Fine. That one cracked me up. If he wouldn't have moved Jill from that safe house, the, rest of the ending could have been quite different. Yeah, Hoffman played them all like a fiddle. He did. Finely tuned fiddle. So a bomb goes off the junkyard, and Gibson's like, okay, everyone just get out of there. We'll send in the bomb squad. That's the right move. Yeah, I mean, you got to do that. I mean, bombs are going off left and right. Yeah, uh, you know, it, 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 it ends up biting them all in the ass, but it was the right move. It was. I mean, that's they're following protocol. But Gibson, he ends up watching Hoppin's video, and it's basically like, hey, I want Jill. If you give me Jill, no one else dies. Otherwise, everyone dies. Yeah, otherwise everyone dies. And I thought he was being facetious when he said that, you know, like like uh, like we got people everywhere. Flores used that expression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, appreciate the quantum assault reference. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but no, almost every character in this movie is gonna die. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Yep. He's no he's no fooling. Everyone dies. So Bobby finds his publicist Nina. Uh, in, in this in a trap, and basically, she's got a, a string going down into her stomach, which and at the end is a fish hook attached to a key. He has to pull this out of her throat. Yeah, and he's got like a minute to do it before she gets impaled through the throat with spikes. But the twist is, anytime a noise is made in the room, the spikes will go a little faster, and they have less time. Mm-hmm. Dude, this one is fucking impossible. Yeah, this one's pretty tough. I don't know. I don't really know anybody who could get through this one, honestly. If I have a fish hook ripping up my throat, I'm going to scream. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, that yeah, yeah, that, that one made me cringe quite a bit. Yeah, that's a rough one. 
Well, it's a rough one because like she has she can't do anything about it and she can't help but scream. Yeah. Like yeah, so it's just a tough game for everyone. Now, rule 10, don't panic. Mhm. She definitely panics. I can't blame her too much though. No, I can't blame her for that. And of course, they can't do. Like he ends up getting the key out, but he doesn't have enough time to get the lock undone, so she gets stabbed through the throat, which is even worse. The fact that she had to go through all of that and he still had a few short seconds but couldn't quite get it. Brutal. Brutal kill. This one was hardcore. I hate this one. Like, oof. Yeah, this one's rough. And then Bobby, he finds a copy of his book, which was actually, he he signed for Jigsaw. We get a flashback of him at a book signing and Jigsaw's like basically calling him out. He's like, yeah, I think you're a liar. And Bobby reads and he's like, ah, shit. I signed Jigsaw's fucking book. Damn it. Gosh, that's like got to be the like the biggest oof moment of his life right there. Oh, yeah. It's just like, huh, I was face to face with that man. That's scary. I done goofed. Cutting back to Gibson, um, he kind of figures out that uh, Bobby is the target. Bobby and his associates are all the targets of the new game that's going on. So good for them. Meanwhile, Bobby finds his lawyer, Suzanne, in another trap. And basically what this is going to do is she's in a device that is rotating into some spikes which will gouge out her eyes and mouth, basically just go straight through her head. And to stop it, Bobby's got to lift these really heavy bars into the air. But if he does, these these spikes will come in from the side and basically give him kidney shots. Just poke him like an inch inside of his body. So basically, he's got to stab himself for like 30 seconds in order to stop this device and save Suzanne. But he can't do it because, again, I don't know if anybody could do this. Well, I mean, that was the thing. I didn't know how much weight was on that machine, which kind of made me confused as like, was there too much weight or was it the fact that it's, you know, just the fact that there are barbs jarbing into his kidneys? I mean, I'm not sure, but... Maybe if he exercised a bit more. Exercise? Yeah, exercise. Rule 49, exercise, maybe. But again, he can't do it and Suzanne gets killed. Yeah, uh, for both Nina and Suzanne, you got to be careful who you associate with. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Even though it yeah. wasn't necessarily their fault, they were complicit in everything. Yeah. Uh, so the cops get a time-delayed email from Hoffman. And basically watching the video, uh, Hoffman just gives a couple of vague clues. But Gibson figures something out, and he's going to take off along with Rogers. And we'll come back to them later, but he's figured something out. But Hoffman is just playing him like a fiddle, man. Come on, Gibson. Got to be smarter. The whole time. Every cop that has played these games has died because they've fallen right into it. You got to be unpredictable. The only way to stop Jigsaw is to go off the beaten path. Yeah. He's not doing it. So Bobby finds his buddy Kale in this kind of balance beam trap. Kale has got a blindfold on. And basically, they're on like the second floor of this room. And Bobby has to guide Kale across, uh, you know, wooden boards where Bob has to climb across himself to get to a key to give to Kale. Otherwise, in one minute, the machine will hang Kale. Yep. Um, And Bobby does a really good job with this trap, I gotta say. He actually does a really good job, especially after um, not being able to do the the first two traps. You know, he's a little traumatized, a little probably dazed and confused, kind of shell-shocked. But yeah, he does a really good job at instructing Kale through this maze, which is honestly pretty terrifying, because, you know, Kale is blindfolded and, you know, it's a Solid 15-foot drop. Yeah, uh, Kale panics a little bit, rule 10, but Bobby snaps him out of it. Bobby, like, even manages to, like, jump a gap at one point to cut, shave a little bit of time off like a boss. But Bobby gets the key, and he tosses it to Kale, but it bounces off his chest and falls out of his grasp. Oof. I, I, don't, I don't know if tossing it was the smartest play, because how would Kale know where to put the key? Right. 
Bobby needed to get closer, I feel like. Yeah, but they just didn't have time. Yeah, didn't have enough time. But Kale ends up getting hung. Yep. Uh, yep, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, Kale. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the, the premise of this movie. Yeah, basically. Detectives Gibson and Rogers, they enter this old abandoned building that's basically just kind of a place where homeless people and junkies hang out. And we get a flashback. When Gibson was just a, a patrol cop, he was checking out on just a, a suspicious activity here, and he goes into the building alone. Rule number 12, wait for backup. Yeah, honestly. He's going into a place known for having crackheads, and yeah, it's just not a safe place to be by yourself when you're no. a rookie cop. Yeah, but he gets attacked by what turns out is uh, a guy who broke away from the insane asylum, actually, where uh, the main game is happening. Gibson gets attacked by him, uh, and Gibson draws his gun and then drops it. Rule number seven, don't leave your weapon behind. Firmly grasp it. Yeah, yeah no, he, he, he did a bad job overall in this one. This guy would have shot Gibson. Gibson would have died, but Hoffman shows up, and he gets the, the guy to drop the gun. He's like, okay, cool. And then Hoffman shoots the guy to death. Yeah, three three shots in the chest. Boy, this is a relevant movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a little topical. This was not planned at all. Uh, we we uh, we talked about on Sunday how we were gonna do this this movie, and then when did the the murder happen on Monday or Tuesday? I can't remember. It's been a long week. Yeah, it's, it's been a rough one. Uh, I think it was Tuesday, Monday. Yeah. I'm not sure. A day or two before when we agreed to watch this movie. It's just weird how that works out. Timing. But anyway, Hoppin shoots and kills this guy, and Hoppin's like, "You owe me, huh?" And Gibson's like, fuck you, you just murdered a guy, um, I'm gonna report your ass. Well, I have to report you, like, what did you just do? That's a very strange thing you just did. <laughs> uh, Gibson's a good cop, man, he's a good cop. Um, so Gibson pr- tells on Hoffman, and Hoffman gets promoted. Yep, which is very interesting, and then, uh, Gibson immediately then proceeds to get transferred, and then he goes into eternal affairs. Yeah, can't blame him. <laughs> no, that's exactly what you should have done. And he makes it kind of his mission to take down Hoffman's department because they're all kind of corrupt. Yep. So, yep, that's that's what he's been up to. And so that's why Hoffman has a grudge against Gibson. And Gibson manages to figure out that the, the big game is happening at the insane asylum. Bobby's new test is he has to rip out two of his teeth to find the combination on the door. I don't know how this takes him so long. I feel like this isn't that hard. Yeah, he takes forever on this one because I think when he gets into the room, he has like 20 minutes or so. I think, and when he gets to his wife, which is just in the next room, he has only, like, four minutes. Granted, I mean, it's teeth, but at the same time, you just rip them out. Yeah, he had the pliers. They gave him the tool to do it. Yeah, it's not like he they didn't give him anything to work with. Yeah, I don't know what took him so long. Hurry up, Bobby. Rule 28, run, bitch, run, or pull, bitch, pull. Yeah, honestly. Don't dilly-dally. Meanwhile, Gibson and a SWAT team enters the asylum, and they start making their way through the asylum trying to find Bobby. But on their way, Gibson gets called uh, to the junkyard because that's where the email they received from Hoffman earlier originated from. So there's something they missed at the junkyard. So Gibson heads back to go check that out. The SWAT team gets up to Kale's room, which is all the balance beams and stuff, and they decide, (laughs) we're not going to go over that. Let's go a different way. Yeah. And they leave the path. I don't know how to feel about this, because they didn't hear the tape that told Bobby to stay on the path. Yep, they didn't. You know, this is a SWAT team. How much do they know about Jigsaw's M.O.? They probably don't know a whole lot more than just traps, but they, I mean, it's their job to go in there and try to find the people in the traps already. So it's it's a, it's a delicate situation, because they didn't know the rules. 
Yeah. So the one thing I would say is maybe instead of going in to try and save everybody right away, send in like a bomb squad robot or something or a drone. You know, rule 12, wait for backup. <laughs> Use the robotic backup to check it out. They've done it in previous movies. Learn Rule 21, learn from past events. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Saw 4, they did it. I know they want to save lives, but you can't save anybody if you get killed in the process. Exactly. But yeah, they did do that in 4. So yeah, good, uh, good catch, Jake. Rule 21. So Gibson, he gets back to the junkyard and he finds a secret passageway, a hidden door in that bathroom. And so he and two cops head into the back to check it out. Again, you should send in the robot drones. Bring something that you can go and see ahead of time that doesn't cost any human life. I mean, it seems so simple. You know, rule number three, do your damn job, but don't die in the process. Exactly. And like Hoffman said, everyone's going to (laughs) die. Yeah, everyone. So Bobby makes it to his last trap uh, with Joyce. So Bobby, when he lied about his his jigsaw experience, the trap he said he survived was he had to put two hooks into his pectoral muscles and basically climb up. And that's what he's going to have to do to save his wife. There is a, a, a plug and an outlet above him, and he's got to hoist himself up and plug those in, and that'll stop these electrical wires from blocking him from getting to Joyce. And that's his final test and bobby owns up to being a liar and oh, poor joyce man yeah her world went from like oh my husband is such a hero and such a brave man to why am i here to oh you didn't do any of that okay save me anyway <laughs> it's just a whirlwind of emotions for joyce and so we get this classic saw where we cut around a lot so uh we're gonna ignore the cutting and we'll just focus on each of the stories and wrap them all up as we finish up this movie. So let's start with the SWAT team. The SWAT team, they go into this room and they get sealed inside and poisonous gas is, is dropped into the room and they all get poisoned to death. Mm-hmm. There's really not much they could have done there uh, other than learn from past events and bring a drone. Bobby, meanwhile, he he starts pulling himself up. He puts the hooks in. He climbs all the way up to the top. He gets the plug in the wire, but then his muscles give out and rip through uh, the hooks rip through his muscles, and he falls to the ground. Yep, um, with about five seconds left. So, I don't know, I guess put the hooks in deeper? Yeah, put them in deeper or make the incision marks wider apart so you get more muscle that you're pulling with. You know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe he just didn't put the hooks in deep enough or make it wide enough grip for the pecs to yeah. hold. It's hard to say, but he cannot do it in time. So, Joyce... Uh, a brazen bull, an ancient torture device, peers around her and seals her in and burns her to death. Yeah, in a pretty brutal way. It's one of the most horrific deaths in Saw. And she did nothing wrong. The entire time she did nothing wrong. What the fuck? I know. I don't really know what Joyce could have done. I mean, maybe not marry him, but... I guess never marry anybody. They could be a, a liar. Rule 24, trust no one. Trust Rule 24, trust no one, I guess. Everybody's a suspect! But in all honesty, this is one of the least fair deaths in any horror movie I've ever seen. Right? This is some bullshit. It's just, it, it's very unjust for her to die. Yeah. Because she didn't do anything wrong. She didn't know that they were profiting off of lies. Ignorance it, is bliss until it's not. Bobby actually survives. This is the last time we see him, but he survives this movie. One of the very few. He does not deserve it. Because he failed all of his tests. But no, he lives. And that's it for Bobby. He's going to feel pretty guilty for the rest of his life, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I mean, he should feel guilty. He should. This is his fault. Back at the junkyard, Gibson gets into the back room 
where he finds one of the bodies of the skinheads, which is weird because they were all shipped off to the coroner's office. How is one of the bodies here? And he figures out this whole thing is a trap because there is a bunch of security monitors in this control room watching in the police station. Oof. Yeah, he hacked into the security cameras. So basically what what happened was Hoppin activated the bomb, the explosion, and when everybody was gone, he switched places with the body of one of the skinheads and put himself in the body bag. So Hoppin has been transported to the police station in a a body bag. Yes, exactly. I suppose, I mean, rule 23 for Hoffman, no one to play possum. Yeah, (laughs) he literally played possum. And follows that rule to a T. Yeah, you were absolutely right. And as Gibson's trying to call in all the cops back to the station, a machine gun turret pops up and kills him and the two cops that were with him. All three of them get gunned down. Again, Gibson, you shouldn't have gone into this room without a robot drone first. Or Gibson. I mean, it was hidden. It kind of like popped up like an auto turret. I mean, he had maybe a second to duck and get below cover. But, I mean, I don't really blame him because it happened. It was like a big bang boom. Yeah, it was real quick. Yeah, that's the end of Gibson, and we still got like a good 15 minutes uh, left of this movie, and Bobby and uh, Gibson, our main protagonists, are not in any more of the film, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, we we switch from those characters and kind of let a little storyline kind of just branch off and go to a whole different area. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Hoffman, when the coroner opens the body bag, he just straight up stabs the coroner in the throat. Oh, doesn't go, doesn't hold back at all, just... Right through the throat. And Hoffman just starts moving through the police station, and he, he stabs, like, four cops and coroners to death on his way. The exact same way, just stabbing him, like, directly through the jugular up into the jaw. It's, it's brutal. It's a brutal way to kill someone. It's, it's efficient. Very Terminator. Yeah, very Terminator, exactly. Very very T-1000. So, yeah, he just he just moves his way through and mowing everybody down. So he gets to the holding room, and he holds up the cop that he killed... At, at like the little peep window so like when somebody knocks on the door you can look out and see who it is and he just holds up he knocks and holds up the body of the dead cop they let him in yeah super resourceful there's a cop in there and he kills him too so all that's left is we have detective rogers and jill tuck in the holding cell and they hear a noise on the other side of the reflecting glass and before anybody can do anything Hoppin just fires a shot through and kills rogers yep right in the eye none of these cops could have done anything no, it was honestly like the Kool-Aid man just kind of came out of nowhere and just busted a wall through. Like, they yeah, were yeah. completely blindsided. They had no reason to suspect there was a psycho killer in the frickin' police station. Exactly. There's no time to do anything. So, Jill, she's got like a little knife slash letter opener or something. I don't really know what it is. Maybe a nail file? Yeah, it seemed, it was a small, small knife-shaped device. So, you know, good for Jill. She locks and loads, rule number five. Yep, exactly. And then when Hoffman gets into the jail cell, he he's taking his sweet time. He's, like, relishing the moment that he's finally going to kill her. He is quite enjoying this. Uh, he's been looking for her for quite a while to dish some payback up. You got to be a little quicker on the draw there, Hoffy. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I don't really think he even cares if he gets out of it as long as she dies because I think he's just mainly focused on revenge at this point and just wants to finish her off. But then we get the most frustrating moment in the entire movie. Jill stabs Hoffman in the neck with this knife. Great shot. She she nails it. Rule 22, take the shot. She does that. <sighs> then she runs away and leaves her knife behind. Rule number seven, don't leave your weapon behind. Rule number six, double tap. If she had stabbed him again, she could have sliced his windpipe. She could have just stabbed him in the brain and the heart and taken him out. She had the opportunity to kill Hoffman right here. She could have gone for the temple, or she could have stabbed him in the neck and just sliced down, sliced downward. I mean... There's many different ways she could have gone about this. Just because she's smaller than him doesn't mean that she can't take this Goliath down. 
it's so frustrating. And she just runs away and Hoffman pulls the knife out and he's fine. But a few more stabs and she survives the series. Yeah, it's quite sad. You know, it's it's ultimately her downfall. This is probably my least favorite combo of rule breaks there is. That the the six seven break where you fail to double tap, you stab once, you run away and leave your weapon behind. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate sin. I hate this so much. The six seven rule. The the, the old six seven. Terrible. She goes to hide in the evidence room and she doesn't lock and load. She just hides. There's plenty of shit in there she can use as a weapon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's in an evidence room. I mean, she just literally hides. I mean, I don't understand what what she tends to gain from this. I mean, clearly at this point, if Hoffman's in that holding cell, there's no one else there. Yeah. She can't wait for backup, and she needs to kind of take matters into her own own hands, and she just kind of cowers in a corner. Lock and load. So Hoffman finds her and beats the shit out of her. Yeah. Bashes her head on the table. And straps her up to a chair and puts the original... Reverse bear trap trap from all the way back. Sawan, Amanda's first trap, puts it on Jill's head and gives her no way out. Yep. Straps her arms down, basically just watches her die. Now, what Jill did wrong at the end of Saw 6 is she started to leave and didn't like stay there and make sure nothing went wrong with Hoffman dying. Hoffman stays there and just watches her die. Yeah, he makes sure that she actually dies. You know, confirm she's dead. This trap is brutal. It's brutal. I think this is like the first time we actually see the trap on an actual human detonate and go off. And it just rips Jill's head off, basically. Yeah. I mean, you see like all down her throat. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a sight. It's gnarly. I love it. Poor Jill. I was really pulling for her there. Yep. But she did it to herself right at the end. The old six, seven. So Hoffman, he leaves and goes back to his hideout. He's going to go on the run. Finally. Uh, He's got revenge on everybody now. He blows up his hideout. He's about to leave town. And then he gets stabbed in the neck or in the in the chest with an injection because he's attacked by three men dressed as Pighead. Mm-hmm. Yep. The two of them, we never find out who they are, but they're Brad and Ryan from the opening. They cut that scene. But yeah, that's Brad and Ryan. But I guess that's not canon, but that's what who was originally supposed to be. But, you know, we won't talk about that anymore. But the, mo- the main point here is the main one is Dr. Gordon. Carrie always. Hell yes. And we get this big reveal. Gordon was the one who received the package from Jill in Saw 6. And it was a tape from Jigsaw basically asking him, hey, if anything happens to Jill, take care of Hoffy, will you? It's it's pretty great. It's it's kind of like a, the ultimate insurance policy. Yeah. The dead man's trigger. We see that Dr. Gordon actually helped on a lot of the traps throughout the series. The, the more intricate uh, needlework and uh, medical ones. Which, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing that no one ever... And no one ever really thought to pick up on the medical side of these uh, these traps and what how they were operated on, how the people were operated on. So it was Dr. Gordon. And in the flashback, what happened was Jigsaw found Dr. Gordon after he cauterized his leg. And he's like, okay, you passed. I'll, I'll save you. I'll help you out here. And, and got him back to health and gave him a fake leg. Yeah, it's pretty nice of him to do, actually. Yeah. So the final scene of the movie, Detective Hoffman wakes up in the bathroom from Saw 1, chained up. Dr. Gordon takes away the, the, the hacksaw before Hoppin can get it. It's like, I don't think so. Yeah, he has, he has a nice little flashback of, of uh, the first movie, and then he's like, I don't think so, and just tosses it out of the room. It's so beautifully done. And Gordon goes to the door, says, game over, and shuts the door, and then he seals Hoffman inside to die. Here's the thing. I love this ending. But I will say, 
if we remember, Detective Eric Matthews got out of this trap not using a saw, but using the piece of the toilet seat. Hoffman could still hypothetically get out of this trap. He could. He could. He's not technically dead. I don't understand what is it with saw or saw accomplices and not wanting to witness the actual death of people that you want to die. But it seems to be a running thing. And it's the downfall of a lot of people. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic way to end it. Rule 29, no half measures. Mm-hmm. Could Hoffman return? But that is the end of Saw, the final chapter. So we got one new rule this time. Rule 49, exercise. Just a good rule of thumb. So we have to give out some awards. First, we have the Randy Meeks merit badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. There aren't a lot of good options this time. No, everyone kind of sucked in terms of rule following. I kind of want to give it to Ryan at the very beginning in the buzzsaw trap because he was strong enough in a position where he could decide I can kill Brad just on my brute strength alone or I could just let Dina die. And Ryan plays his trap perfectly and doesn't even get hurt. Brad survives too, but he gets injured. Um, So I think I want to give it to Ryan because everybody else did something bad and Ryan really didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, that's a fair point, yeah. Completely forgot about Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm down to give it to Ryan. All right, Ryan is the winner of the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. Plus, he's a Ryan, you know, we we got to look out for each other. Yeah, yeah, no no coincidence there or anything. <laughs> uh, and then we have the Night of the Living Pleb Award, which goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules. And this is, of course, based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, the worst movie character ever. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. And we have plenty of options this time. Yeah, we have a, a plethora of options to at our disposal to talk about. Who are you thinking? Well, you know, I'm as much as I like her, I'm going to have to go with uh, the old 6-7 rule breaker, uh, Jill. Jill Tuck. That's, that's going to be my pick, at least. I completely agree. She had all the answers. She had all the keys. She, uh, she lost the hand with, like, a full house. It was very yeah. impressive. She was dealt the perfect hand to survive this. She had it made. Well, except for at the end of Saw 6 when she she should have just shot Hoffman. Uh, but then coming into this movie, she was in protective custody. She had immunity. All she had to do was get away with this. And she had it if only she had killed Hoffman herself. But she leaves her weapon behind. She does not double tap. And she just hides. Like a, and, and Hoffman beats the shit out of her and kills her. Yeah. Entirely avoidable. Very, very avoidable. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's hands down, Jill. Jill is the Night of the Living Pleb, and she's not so living anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, well, we still don't have the Wheel of Spooks, so we're just kind of playing it by ear. I think next week, uh, Derek is finally going to come back on the podcast, and we're going to do Leprechaun 3. Mm, good old Leprechaun. Leprechaun 3 is one of the best ones in the series. One of the better ones, at least. That one's kind of fun. So we'll do that. Uh, Jake, you uh, on board to come back and do Jigsaw? I am 100% on board to come back and do Jigsaw. We'll finish up this series. Okay, uh, Jake, do you want to give out any social media? Um, I mean, yeah, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash SinisterSpaghetti or Gurky Turkey. I'm not sure which one. And then uh, either on Twitter at SinisterSpaghetti or Gurky Turkey. So, yeah, hit me up. I don't, I don't really use social media all that much, so. You do not. That's true. Uh, and you can follow us at HowToHorror on Twitter, how the number 2 horror. Rate and review us, and we'll read some reviews on the podcast if you give us a five-star review. We love those. <laughs> Our favorite amount of stars is five. Can confirm. Uh, Jake, thanks for being on this, man. We got we got one more of these. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's, it's a tragedy coming to an end like this, but you know, um, I'm looking forward to the next one a whole lot. And yeah, 
just as Ryan said, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. All right. Uh, and thanks again, man. This was really fun. This is a good podcast. Always a good time to get in touch. Well, this has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast. And now more than ever, stay safe out there. Uh, uh.